some of you singing along. That is such a good song. Again, I, as I said, it's 1955, The Platters, and it still rings true today. We know what it means. We know how it feels to a little bit be pretending. Whether we're pretending that something isn't true that is or pretending that something is true that isn't, this idea of living a life of pretending is unfortunately something that we are all too familiar with. I want to tell you a story of a few Halloweens ago when one of my kids had a whole new level of pretending. Of course, Halloween is all about pretending. You put on a costume and you pretend to be something else. But this year, I decided as a mom with two young kids, my youngest being about three, that I would just buy her a costume while I was out. I made the mistake of thinking she wouldn't have strong opinions about what she was wearing. So about two hours before it was time to trick or treat, I revealed to her the monkey costume that I had bought that was the most adorable, like onesie jumpsuit fluffy thing with a headpiece, with the ears and her little face sticking out. It was adorable. She refused to wear it. We spent about an hour going back and forth, me trying to convince her to wear it, her refusing to wear it, and we finally landed on a compromise, which was that she would only wear the head. So this is what Halloween at our house looked like. Her older sister fully decked out as a werewolf and a monkey head. So we went to the first house, our next door neighbor's house, and she knocked on the door and she said, trick or treat, I'm a monkey. And they gave her the treats like you're supposed to, but the head didn't last very long because she came down the end of the driveway and that's when she told me she would not even be wearing the head. She took off the headpiece and we proceeded to go around the rest of the neighborhood the whole night trick or treating with Kennedy going up to a door, knocking and saying, trick or treat, I'm a monkey. Just in no costume whatsoever. Give me candy, I'm a monkey. And, and they, would, they would look at her and, and they'd, they'd look out at me at the sidewalk and I'm just like, I'm doing my best. Kennedy was doing something that we all do, no matter how old we are. She was saying something that wasn't true about herself, but that she wanted it to be true. And we get that, right? We are, we are very adept at managing other people's perceptions of us by what we say is true or not true. We heard it in the song. I don't know if you caught that one line, but it said, yes, I seem to be what I'm not, you see. He got really good at pretending. And we've got some really blatant examples in our world of people who pretend to be something. I don't know if you watched that recent Netflix series called Inventing Anna. It was the story, a true story of a woman named Anna Sorokin who pretended to be a German heiress and when in fact she was actually just a con artist. And I know that's kind of like an extreme example I hope nobody in here is a con artist, but in a way, it's kind of relatable, right? What you hear about con artists is they get you to focus on what they want you to believe and what they want you to see. We're maybe not swindling 
people by having a fake identity, but I think we all admit that there are things that we've done, things where we feel guilt or shame about some decision that we've made or something we've done that we regret, and so we keep it a secret. And typically how it goes is like this. We've done something wrong, something that we don't like. Maybe, maybe it's a lie that we've told or a decision that we've made or, or a habit that we have. And we know that we don't like that about ourselves. And we know that someone else is not going to like that about us either. And if they know it about us, then they will have a perception of us that we don't want them to have. Maybe they'll judge us. Maybe they'll misunderstand us. But if we go like a little bit deeper than that, I think what it's really about, what we really fear will happen is that they will condemn us. And so we hide the bad things and and we instead present the the better, the shinier version of ourselves. But but, but we know that it's not real because we know that we have secrets. One study uh, surveyed 5,000 people, and this is the conclusion that they came up with. Get this, 97% of us have at least one secret at any given time. So turn and share, just kidding, we're not going to do it. (laughs) 97%. Then the other thing that it said is that on average, we are holding 13 secrets. That was amazing to me. I feel like I can't even remember 13 things. But apparently, when it comes to our secrets, things we are hiding, things we are revealing in certain ways only, we have a lot of staying power to hold a lot of secrets. Now, I'm using this word secrets, and just to kind of give you an idea of like the types of secrets that I'm talking about, these are the kinds of things that people in the survey said that they hide. Um, a way that they have wronged somebody and then they feel guilty about it or they feel shameful about it. Um, A way that they have compromised their values. They say they believe one thing and yet their actions show something different. It can be a decision that they've made. It can be a way that they've cheated or lied or broken the law, kind of gotten away with something. Already mentioned this one. It could be a habit or maybe an addiction that they have. Now, chances are, because 97% of us have secrets, chances are something on this list resonates with with all of us in this room. And I wanna ask you to, to think about that thing. Think about which one. Think about the thing that you're hiding, maybe something that no one knows or maybe very few people know. And I want you to ask yourself, why is this a secret? And I know that kinda seems like a, Duh, question, like why? But like if you were to think about it, digging down deep, what is at the core of it? Because I think that somewhere, as you kind of think about this thing that you've done, there's a fear that if the truth gets out, people are going to condemn you or even just one person. But that person really matters to you and they will condemn you. And so what happens in all of us is there's this shift that happens. There is something that I have done that I regret, something I don't like about me, but it is true. But I'm going to pretend that it isn't, and that's going to keep me safe from your condemnation of me. So for example, I don't want you to know that I intentionally didn't get back to you, so I'm going to tell you I didn't get the email. It might be in my spam. 
I, I feel bad that I gossiped about you, and so I'm gonna blame somebody else. I don't want you to know that I got a drink on the way home, and so I'm gonna tell you I got stuck in traffic. And, and guess what? You are so good at hiding it that it's working. They don't know. They are not on to you. We've gotten really good at hiding it. They don't know, which is great. That's your whole plan. If they don't know, they can't condemn you. So now you would think that if they don't know, you wouldn't feel any burden about this secret because the thing that you fear the most isn't happening, right? You're hiding it. You're doing a good job. If we can keep it hidden, if we can just have secrets or half-truths, then our secrets shouldn't be causing us too many problems if no one's finding out, right? But, ready for the really crazy part? Yes, you are probably being successful at keeping your secrets hidden so that other people don't condemn you. But the condemnation is still there. There is still someone who is condemning you, and that condemnation is adding to the weight that you are carrying in holding your secrets. And what I want you to know today is that when it comes to condemnation, the one who is condemning you is you. See, our secrets, the, these things that, that we hide from other people, they have, they have power over us. They have power to get into our thoughts to make us think certain things about ourselves and, and put ourselves in certain categories. They, they're relentless, too. You can't stop them. They just keep coming. And it is like, it's like this fight that is you versus you, you and your secrets, and you trying to not think about those secrets, but you keep thinking about those secrets. And so it's you versus you. So no matter who wins, you lose also. And at the end of the day, you, we all, become victims of the things that we're hiding. Listen to Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. This is David writing, and he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy. Hear that word, heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Most scholars agree that, that David wrote this during the time that, that he was reflecting on when he had a secret about him and a woman named Bathsheba. David was the king, and he summoned a woman, a married woman, Bathsheba, and she ended up becoming pregnant, and so he decided to try to hide the secret, so he tried to trick the husband into thinking it was his her husband, by the way, was out fighting a war that David was responsible for and overseeing. And when it didn't work that he could trick him, he went to the next level and had him killed. All this to keep his secret hidden. All this from keeping other people from knowing what was true about him and then condemning him. You see that? Now, I want you to notice in the psalm when it says, when I kept silent. In other words, as he is describing his bones wasting away and a heaviness on him, as he's describing all of that, it's not the description of the aftermath of the secret coming out. You notice that? This is before the secret came out. To this point in his life that he's writing about, he, he's calling back to the window of time when he was still getting away with it. 
Does this sound to you like a man who is on a clean getaway from the secrets that he's been keeping? This week I read an article in Scientific American called Why the Secrets You're Keeping Are Hurting You. And I want to read to you what it said. Research has linked secrecy to increased anxiety, depression, symptoms of poor health, and even the more rapid progression of disease. There is a seemingly obvious explanation for these harms. Hiding secrets is hard work. You have to watch what you'll say. If asked about something related to the secret, you must be careful not to slip up. This could require evasion or even deception. Constant vigilance and concealment can be exhausting. Okay, we get that, right? We know this. We already know this. This is probably not new news to anyone, but this is what it says next. New research, however, suggests that the harm of secrets doesn't really come from the hiding after all. The real problem with keeping a secret is not that you have to hide it, but that you have to live with it and think about it. If we put this back on what we're reading from King David, his own having to think about what he had done was physically causing him to have problems. He was consumed with it. He was ruminating on what he had done. Because thinking about the things that we hide from others, the the secrets that we keep, those truths about you, the things you regret that you're keeping hidden away, those things, how much do you find yourself thinking about them? Not so much thinking about how to hide them, like you've gotten really good at that. We don't have to think too much about that, but how much are we thinking about what they are, ruminating on these things that you don't like about what you've done and yet struggling with the reality that they are true of you. The article went on to say, the more frequently people simply thought about their secrets, the lower their well-being. What we keep hidden, it powerfully affects us. Now some might say, my secrets are so hidden. They are so long ago. They are so buried back here. How could they possibly be hurting me? But to that I say, could it be that you are so used to thinking about them that it kind of feels normal? That you've you've gotten so far removed from the freedom of not thinking about them that you don't even really see the problem. Our older daughter, Quinn, during her first year of college, she got this job that I didn't even know existed. Uh, She was a practice patient. Has anybody ever heard of a practice patient? Um, At her school, there's a nursing school. So you as a student can get paid, it's basically an acting gig, to go into the practice clinic and pretend you have something wrong so that those who are in the nursing school can practice doing an examination and diagnosing. This is a whole thing. I didn't even know about it. So I was talking to Quinn. She had to once pretend she had diabetes. She had to pretend she had COPD, which is weird because she was like 19. I don't think that's a thing that you get then. But but so apparently, though, this is a whole thing that happens. And I was reading an article uh, from the University of Virginia. This happened 10 years ago. 
there was an actor who had a job like this who was having to pretend to have an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Okay, so this is an enlargement of your aorta that runs from your heart through your chest into your belly. And, and so he had to pretend he had this. So he had to pretend he had back pain and stomach pain and chest pain. And one of the other symptoms is like a pulsing kind of in your belly. And so the actor is like simulating all this. And the medical student, who was a guy named Ryan Jones, he was doing the practice exam. And in the practice, he found an actual abdominal aortic aneurysm in this kid. Isn't that crazy? Here's this kid who doesn't know anything is wrong, and yet something was terribly wrong, and it didn't even feel like it was affecting him. It doesn't mean that it wasn't there. If 97% of us have secrets, we know that secret keeping takes its toll. Chances are you do feel some of the effects of whatever you're hiding. And we're working so hard to, to keep other people from condemning us. And all the while, we are doing the work of hiding and it results in us condemning ourselves as we do. I want to think about it like it's, it's this cycle of secrets that we have. And the cycle goes like this. We think about what we've done because we know we might be the only one that knows. We think about it. And when we think about it, we don't like that thing in us. And it automatically leads us to condemn ourselves. Remember, we're the ones condemning ourselves. We think about it, then we condemn ourselves, but we don't really like that feeling either. And so we get really good at swinging around to the other thing, which is we rationalize it, right? because that's gonna make us feel better about all the condemning that we're doing. If we're gonna take away the power that secrets have on us, we have to disrupt this cycle. One author describes the, the rationalizing like this. She says, we might not steal money from our mother's wallets, but we are just as cold. We may not be addicted to something we can label or easily identify, but some of us have gone much of our lives not being completely honest with ourselves about things. It's been hard to face a mirror of complete truth, so we've settled for half-truths to feel good enough to get by. I don't do it all the time. It's not that bad. I'm better than they are. And she goes on, we spend more time figuring out how to hide our truth than how to heal it. And the hiding may buy us some time from the momentary pain that the truth might bring, but it does a crazy amount of damage in the meantime. So we are in this cycle where we think about it, we condemn ourselves, and then we rationalize it until we can't stop it, we think about it again, we condemn ourselves, and we rationalize it. And we get stuck in this cycle, and the cycle, as cycles do, perpetuates itself. So if we are gonna take the power away from the secrets, we have to disrupt the cycle. We have to force the cycle to go a different way. And if we are gonna break this cycle and take back the power that our secrets have over us, we've got to tell the truth. I want you to say, tell the truth with me, ready? Tell the truth. We have got to tell the truth. We've got to reveal this thing. We've got to admit the problem. We've got to tell someone what we've done and reveal the thing that we're hiding. 
A few chapters over in Psalm 51, this is another Psalm by David, and it's written during the same time when his secret with Bathsheba was, was about to come out. It had come out. He was now in the aftermath of the secret coming out. And in the first part of the Psalm, he's, he's confessing. He's talking about uh, all that he had done wrong. And in the second part of the Psalm, he, he's thanking God for his, for his generosity, for his grace and his forgiveness. And, and David's also saying what his intention is to, to live that way instead of this way. And right between these two parts is verse six. And in verse six, it reveals something that David had to land on in order to get to the confession and to receiving the forgiveness that God had for him. Here's verse six. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. I love that phrase, in the secret heart. In other words, God desires truth from us from the inside out. That phrase there that says inward being, it refers to that, that secret inner part of you, the core of who you are that is only known by you and God. Even at your very core, this is saying, there should reside truth. And if we are to live with integrity, it means that what we look like on the outside is the same as our inner core. And if we live that way, we are living with wisdom and with truth. Truth. The reason, the reason that self-condemnation, the kind that we do that comes with secret keeping is so damaging is because we were created to live in truth, not in hiding. And when we reveal our truth, we need wisdom to go with it. He says, teach me wisdom. That's what David wrote, teach me wisdom. So as you think about in your cycle that's perpetuating, think, condemn, rationalize, as you think about breaking that cycle, disrupting that cycle, I wanna encourage you, be, be wise about who you will tell. Telling the truth about the, the things that you've done or the things that you regret, it doesn't have to be for everyone's ears. It, it needs to happen with somebody that you trust, but, if you can do that, if you can confess your truth, if you can share your secret, you will find so many good things on the other side of that reveal. There are so many gifts that God has for us. Now, I don't, I don't mean to minimize what could happen, the, the negative impact of you revealing something that you've done, of, of any of us doing that. I don't want to minimize the, the chaos that could come in your life because of that. For example, if you, if you confess to your spouse that you have an addiction, chances are it's gonna be a tough road ahead. But, but the Bible tells us that living in truth is worth it. And while the reveal may cause some pain, it will break that cycle of secrets and that cycle is causing you pain anyway, right? Imagine what it would feel like to be freed from the power that our secrets have over us. The author that I mentioned puts it this way, one of the best things that honesty brings is a breakup with the person you've become but never truly wanted to be. 
Going back to Psalm 51, verse six, we already read it. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. One of the translations for that word truth is stability. Can you say stability? Yes, truth is stability. God delights in us living in truth in our inmost being because that is a place that we are standing on solid ground. We are stable. We are not in the wishy-washy of trying to navigate all the things. This is a place where we are no longer hiding, where the fear of outward condemnation is no longer having power for us. We're no longer compensating to keep our secrets. And instead, what is true on the inside is what's true on the outside outside stability that's that's worth a season of chaos that might come when what you reveal comes out this is God's desire for us to be stable in truth in Israel's history they came to a time where they had left being in exile and they were returning back and it was a return not just to their land but to their life with God and and there's a, a description in the Old Testament about what this life would look like this would be a life where there is no fear where there is no violence where they have integrity with each other where they get to be in relationship with God and and experience freedom and and fullness in all the ways that God intended for him. And and this big list of things comes to the people of Israel from a prophet named Zechariah. It comes in a big message that he has. And there's a part of, of his prophecy, of his message, that talks about the moral code that they as a community are going to have. And here's what it says. I'm gonna read this from the message, paraphrase. Tell the truth, the whole truth when you speak. Do the right thing by one another, both personally and in your courts. Don't cook up plans to take unfair advantage of each other. I love that. Don't cook up plans to manipulate each other. Don't do or say what isn't so. I hate all that stuff. Keep your lives simple and honest. And these instructions are simple, but they are not easy, right? Telling the truth takes a lot of courage, especially when it is about something that you have kept hidden for a long time. But when you have truth, you also have stability. Zechariah says, do the right thing to one another so that you no longer have to hide, but you have integrity. I'm no longer manipulating you, but I am living in truth with you. And he says, don't do or say what isn't so. Again, simple, but not easy. And it's a risk, right? Let's not underestimate that it is a risk. There is, there is a riskiness to telling the truth. But like I said, on the other side, the gifts that you will receive are worth the risk. And so with our last few minutes, I want to look at Psalm 51 and pull out a couple of things that you can count on, three things that you can count on when you tell, when you tell what you've done, what you regret, decisions that you've made, again, with trusted people. It's gonna come out of Psalm 51, verse 12. Here's what it says. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore my joy and uphold me with a willing spirit. This part in David's Psalm, it's painting this picture 
of a restored life, right? A life on the other side of hiding, an honest life. And, and the first thing that we see in the verse back here that we can count on is that you will feel lighter. Can you say lighter with me? Lighter, you will feel lighter. Remember when we read in David's earlier Psalm, remember the heaviness? Remember the burden that he felt when he was keeping this. That's what hiding does to us. They did an experiment where they showed people a picture of a hill and they asked them to guess how steep and how big is this hill. In other words, if you were to imagine climbing this hill, how hard would it be? Simple, right? Well, what they found is that those who did a lot of secret keeping consistently judged the hill to be bigger and steeper than it really was. And this is the conclusion that the researchers came to. They said, we found that when people were thinking about their secrets, there it is, remember? Thinking about their secrets, they actually acted as if they were burdened by a physical weight. Some of you feel that today. In our video that we saw earlier, I don't know if you noticed this, but for the few people that turned around even when their secret was pretty heavy, what did they do? They smiled. They smiled and said, hi, it's me. When you choose honesty, there is a very real burden that's lifted and you will feel upheld. This is what it says in the verse. We will be upheld by God's hand. You will feel upheld. You will feel enlightened and enlivened. You will feel like you have energy to live into what God has called you to do and to be because you are not burdened down by the thinking about all the things. You will feel lighter. The second thing is you will receive forgiveness. And that forgiveness will lead to healing. You know, one of the advantages of sharing something even difficult with, again, a trusted person is it gives that person a chance to hold it with you. Sometimes it means that you are going to get some great advice and wisdom from somebody. It might mean that you will get support that you didn't have before. Like, how great is that? Who is the person in your life? Who is a trusted person you know that you would say they are trusted and they are wise? I hope you know somebody like that. When you have a chance to reveal to someone who is trusted and wise, it is a gift. They have wisdom for you. And if what you're hiding, what you've done, needs forgiveness, then when you confess it to the person that you're asking the forgiveness for, it, it gives them a chance to forgive you. And it gives you a chance to receive forgiveness. And ultimately, that is where your healing is gonna come from. Remember, we've been talking about how the real burden of secret keeping, holding on to things we've done, it takes over our thoughts and it causes us to condemn ourselves. But researchers have found that when somebody confides a secret, even, in, even with one person, if there is a third party that they tell one thing to, it says that while it doesn't reduce how often they have to still conceal the secret from other people who are still in the dark, this might be people it doesn't apply to, this might be people who are not trusted, whatever, it doesn't reduce you having to hide it, but here's what it does reduce, how often their mind wanders to the secret. 
the telling it makes you think about it less. That is why, that's how it breaks the cycle. And when it comes to forgiveness from God, if that is something that your secret involves, what scripture is very clear on is that God will always forgive us, that he is not condemning us. It says in Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And you open the door to receive forgiveness when you come out of hiding. You'll be more likely to forgive yourself You'll be able to know that God forgives you. And while there's no guarantees that another person that you have hurt will forgive you, you don't have control over that. But what you do have control over is if you will choose honesty over hiding to break that cycle for you, yeah? One last thing that you can expect, and we'll wrap up with this, as you come out of hiding, is that you will experience joy. Our secret keeping has been robbing us of joy. I mean, how can you be joyful when you're condemning yourself, right? How can you feel joyful when you feel burdened and when you're always thinking about and ruminating on the mistakes, the things you've done wrong, the things you regret? How do you feel joy in that? What you find the joy in is the release in the forgiveness and living with honesty so that you don't have to be hiding anymore, but you can be fully present. That is where you find joy, when you are fully present to this life that God has for you. I have two resolves for you today, two pre-decisions that you can make about honesty when it comes a chance for you to choose honesty over hiding. Here's two resolves that you can make about that. Here they are. One is resolved I will break the cycle of secrets by revealing my hidden actions and choices to someone I trust. I am going to resolve that I will break the cycle, remember the cycle that's hurting you, by revealing my hidden actions and choices, things that you've done, things in this category of what you're hiding that you regret, to someone that I trust. Remember, we talked about it being significant that it's someone you trust. Could you today resolve this with the thing that you are currently hiding, with how you move forward when you do something that you regret and have the, the temptation to hide it? Could you resolve instead to tell? And then the second one, we didn't really talk about this, but it kind of goes without say. Resolved, I will choose to listen to, accept, and forgive when necessary those who confide in me. Will you be a trusted person? My guess is you are someone's trusted person. Could you pre-decide how you will respond when that person comes to you and decides to tell, to come out of hiding? We're gonna close with one more song to kind of close out today, to close out um, this whole series um, the idea of this song as the band comes out is to, to be declaring to God that he has your heart. Remember we talked about that being your, your inmost being, the part that is true about you. So as you sing these words, I want to invite you to be thinking about what it means for you to 
give all of who you are to God, to be willing to reveal those things that are not pretty, that have been hidden sometimes for a long time. And I wanna take this chance again as just we close our time today. I don't want you to go out of here with any temptation to just tuck this away, but really to have space to be present with what God might wanna be saying to you and to be present with the chance to be saying that back to God. So let me pray for you as we, as we head into this time of one more closing song to contemplate. Father, we ask for courage. We ask for your mercy. We ask that you would speak so loudly of your acceptance and forgiveness of us that it would compel us to come honestly to you that your grace would draw us back, that your loving kindness would be what draws us back. God, I pray freedom from shame. I pray, as we sang earlier, that strongholds, those things we are holding so strongly to, that they would be broken. God, we thank you that you take our heart. You receive our heart as we receive you. You are a good, good God. We know you didn't make us to be in hiding, and so we ask for your grace in this moment to choose honesty, to live in your joy, to live lighter. God, we come, and we know you receive us. And we come in Jesus' name. Amen.